Welcome to the Winner's Playbook with Steve and Josh. Disclaimer, the information contained in this podcast is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances. Please head to the show notes if you wish to book a free 15-minute call to discuss your personal situation. All right, welcome back to the Winner's Playbook. I'm Steve. I'm here with Josh another week. Josh, how's the week been? Yeah, mate. Very, very good. Uh, what are we, three, four weeks out from closure? Still just really trying to tidy everything up. Still got some actually new clients coming through, uh, which is quite interesting. Still wanting to start addressing their their financial plans, but realistically, uh, not going to have any of that planning really ready until the, the new year. But uh, a lot of, I think, of what we're doing at this point in time is just tidying everything up, getting all the last bits and pieces of advice ready uh, before closure. So it is definitely a really mad dash uh, across the board for for each, for each and every one in, in the team. What about yourself, Steve? Uh, same, mate. But, uh, last couple of weeks before Christmas, uh, it starts to get that crazy period. Uh, Black Friday sales. Did you get involved at all, mate? Did you start buying uh, I can fair to say that I didn't, but it's fair to say that my wife did. So she, so for, for what I didn't spend, she made up on her side of it. Let's just say that. Yeah, she got me. Did she buy me something good or? Uh, it was actually, she's really into her gym wear. So oh, it's funnily enough, oh. if I didn't, if I didn't buy clothes, well, actually I don't buy clothes for myself. She buys it all for me. So if she didn't do that, geez, I'd have some pretty ratty clothes. I think if I, if I didn't have her looking after me, so she does, she does a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know my wife was out there buying for the kids a lot. Uh, I'm not sure I was on the top of the list, but she bought a lot for the kids. So it's probably a good sign. Standard. Or maybe not. Yeah. Standard. Well, that sort of slides into what we're talking about today then kids. Yeah. Kids, kids. So, Kids education, saving for kids and you know, educating your kids and on finances. You obviously you don't have kids at the minute yourself, but you know, you've dealt with a lot of families over the last five, six, seven years that people that do mm. have kids. What's your take, mate, on on you know, how to one, best educate the kids and and two, save up for future expenses for kids? Yeah, I, I think really getting the exposure as early as you can for the kids, like just talking on that education piece just in itself. The, I think the earlier you can get your kids exposed to money, investing, cash flow, whatever you want to call it, the better off they're going to be. And, and it really ties into a, a program and initiative that we're, you know, we're passionate about here at Link and uh, our, our Beyond School program. So I was, at, at, I was actually at my high school a couple of months ago. Uh, doing a session um, preparing for life beyond high school, so to speak, because there's a, there's a clear gap in in financial literacy in the younger generation. Well, actually, I think in a lot of generations, all generations here in Australia, but, um, you know, a real passion of, of ours and, and the businesses to try and empower the next uh, generation. And, you know, getting back into my high school, we, we you know, we did a talk on um, financial literacy, taxes, you know, what to do with your first pay packet, because we're talking to kids in, you know, year 12 that are starting to work for the first time. They're starting to pay tax for the first time. But all of that stuff, unfortunately, is not really integrated into the schooling system. So it does really start with the parents and what the conversations are, uh, are happening around home. And, and I don't know, just on your side of it, Steve, like, what about from your own upbringing you know, was money really talked about investing? Was there was there really much there from from your upbringing? What you seen? Not really. Yeah. Look, no. uh, it, it, well, I didn't get brought up in a family that really spoke about it, and um, I all of my real education came from self taught. Really, even from really really young. You know, like mm -hmm. uh, high school, I was always into money, but I, my my parents unfortunately didn't really. Uh, take me down that line of like how to invest or even you know how to get invested or do anything with your money um yeah. and so i 
definitely my kids are, are teaching them from now about mm-hmm. that and the value of money and what's uh, what's a waste of money and you know even my daughter who's four um, you know she we we have conversations about it now so I think it's crucial uh, because I, I totally agree I think this you know unfortunately this schooling system from what I understand still doesn't have enough um, weight around that education piece for finances and how to manage your money and tax and what's interest on a bank account you know just your basic things like that so I you know I think you and I both very passionate about getting that message out as part of our jobs at link um, and and trying to you know try to fix that and fill the void of of that so um, and and yourself mate with your 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 upbringing did you have much exposure to that No, no not not really I think probably more of what I I learned was probably what not to do with money like there was not really any sort of financial great decisions being being made like you know we just lived your average sort of middle class um, upbringing here in Australia but there was no talks of investing uh, I think you know mum did have an investment property for a sl- small period of, of time um, but yeah just didn't never really spoke about money and I think for me mine I, I was just always curious and I, I kind of, you know, always used to dream as a kid and watch movies and things like that and see people with money and, you know, abundance or big homes and, and things like that. And that what was probably what really sort of triggered me just initially thinking about it. And then even then just kind of like yourself, just sort of got interested in it, in it my, on my own because no one in the family was really talking about money or doing anything. So I was doing, you know, little side hustles like in, in primary school, I used to, when eBay was very new, I was trading football cards like, you know, the AFL football cards on, on eBay and um, doing a lot of that, you know, in high school had some side hustles. Uh, if anyone listening would remember these things called power bands, they were this little um, wrist band that you would wear that all the athletes were wearing at the time. And it was, I think it was more of a placebo effect is what it was, but it made you feel like you could stretch more and like do more and physically be perform better. But that was sort of all of the rave at that point in time. So what I, what I ended up doing is um, you, you'd buy them at like $70 a pop. Uh, these things, they were wow. quite, they, you know, they weren't, they weren't cheap. Like bucks. Rebel Sport, yeah, Rebel Sport would be selling them for $60, $70 a pop. But because I was so early into eBay, I was actually buying them from eBay, I think, for maybe five or 10 bucks and then reselling them for, I think, 50 or, or so. So I was wow. making a little, a nice, a nice little, uh, nice little margin there. But um, yeah, I, I just kind of got curious and was never really exposed to it. But like I said, more, more of what I learned was what not to, to do. But then was fortunate enough for, like we've spoke about on another podcast, my nana actually gave me a book on share investing, you know, in my, in my later teenage years. And then that what sort of triggered me to, to get uh, really involved in it all. So, yeah. you know, like you said before, you, you sort of talk to your kids and I don't know the privilege of having kids just yet, um, but how do you how do you actually talk to you? Like, I, I'm very curious. How do you talk to your kids about money? How, how do you do that? You keep it fairly you know, lighthearted. Uh, definitely, you know, you, you lose them if you don't make it sort of fun and, uh, you know, definitely don't get too serious with it. And it's just more making them understand that things cost money. That's the starting point. And I think, you know, because yeah. they see things and they think it's just, it just falls in your lap. So the starting yeah. point is just to make them realize that everything costs money. And the important things is a roof over your head and the food that you eat. And that's, that's mm. our priority of, as a parent to provide for your family and yeah. everything else is a bonus, uh, you know, so, and, and make them aware that, you know, if you do get the fortunate to go on holidays, that, that costs a lot of money um, and we've got to save up as a family to do that. And, and yeah. sometimes you've got to sacrifice things. So it, it's, it's more about 
just um, communicating and, and walking them through your decision making rather than mm. telling them, I don't tell them you've got to do that, got to do that. It's just saying, oh, this is what I've, Harvey, this is what I've, we've had to sacrifice that for this couple of weeks because we're about to go on holidays, you know, in a couple of weeks' time, and that's going to cost a bit of money. And and, and yeah. that's that's it. And that, and that gets them an understanding. And already now, Harvey at the age of seven comes back at me and, and asks questions about it, you know, like, Dad, what's going on with that? You're spending money on that, all that, and so you can tell they're starting to click and connect the dots mm-hmm. on things that cost and don't cost, and so it's good. And then clearly the next step is just keep educating. Yeah, we're fortunate; we're in positions where we know finances very well, and we, that's, mm-hmm. that's our job. And so I can sort of educate him on that, and it's just taking the next steps. And I suppose the next steps will be to to maybe get him to do a little budget for himself, and and once he gets a bit of pocket money, how he's going to yep. spend that money, and maybe we do start opening up a bank account at that stage for him and he can allocate some to a bank and then no doubt he's going to allocate some to his sports, you know, and yep. then some to his, some to his lolly bag, you know, so yeah, sure. that's, that's fine. You know, it's, yeah. It's, start, it's the start of the mini budget, right? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it reminds me of when I was at, as at the high school and we were, like taxes, we asked them what they wanted this wanted me to speak about. And one of the key topics was, was taxation and just explaining it to the, it was year tens to twelves. So it was in the session, and we did up a, a bit of a PowerPoint, and we had a like a, a pizza, like a, a pizza to talk to them about tax, and how do we explain it to to these guys so they understand it without just pulling up all the different tax brackets and and just showing numbers all over the all over the page. We you know had a pizza and said, well, if you earn this much, you know, or well, the government's taking taking a third. So I don't know if you've ever done that to any of your kids where they had their pizza and you just applied a tax to it and took it off them, Steve. Or have you I ever done that? It's a great idea. It's a great idea. <laughs> I think that's the next one. I'll write that one down. I think pizza. I think I'll be doing that when I tax. have kids. Yeah, I, I don't I don't mind a bit of food. But um, talking about what well, then options for kids and savings for kids. Uh, so there's there's obviously a few different options there, but. You know what do you well, what what do you sort of look at between you know looking at saving in a regular savings account uh, or investing or do you do a mix of both like what how do you generally approach that with for you know for yourself and also for clients? Yeah, look, I think um, it's good to give them at a certain age their own journey, right? So if if they understand it and get it, there's no harm in setting up a little investment account in their own names and and showing them how that works and looks and feels, as well as having a bank account in their own name, of course. Uh, you know, you can see exactly how the world works at that point. If you've got a bank account earning interest and an investment account ticking over in the share market, even a couple of thousand bucks, you know, that's a great education piece. And I wish I had that when I was, you know, 12, 13, 14, sure. and shown how that works. I think that's a starting point. But look, a lot of the work we do for clients is probably the bigger end of town with how to, you know, look after the kids' education um, or house deposits. You know, I think everyone's really concerned as a parent these days in Australia, how the hell the kids are going to get into the property market. For sure. Uh, and then probably secondary or along par with that is the education. How are we going to afford the kids' education if we want to send them to, to, to a good school or a private school? So yeah. a lot of the work we do with families, and we can we can definitely include the kids in this conversation when the time's right, is, is how, what vehicle are we going to use to set up to be able to try and save for that environment? And yeah, some of the things we use are those investment bonds and and the like that, you know, good savings patterns allow you to save over time in a in a tax effective environment uh, yeah. for those 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 big expenses that we need to pay for. Yeah, and and one thing I've actually I've done in in my own life because I've I've got a younger sister and. 
um, what what I did for all of her birthdays. And I think I've been doing it for now, like probably the last five or six years. And she probably still hates me for doing it though, mind you. But I actually opened up an investment account for her. And, and in every birthday and Christmas, I put money every every single time into it. And then on the birthday or the Christmas card, I actually put a graph. Um, I'm probably a bad brother, mind you. But I put a, <laughs> I put a graph showing what her what her portfolio is worth and, you know, what growth it's had or what, what's happened over the, you know, the 12 month period of time. But I've, I've been chipping, chipping into that. And then I said, look at a period of time, then I'll, I'll give you that money. Uh, and then it's yours, but it's, it's more of, yeah, want to, you know, give her some money and, and help her out in buying a car or whatever it may be. But it's just, again, it's more of just an education piece yeah. um, as well and, and getting that uh, exposure. But you, you right. touched on in investment bonds. So, you know, if you compare say investing, uh, why would you go in investment bonds? So talk talk us a bit about what what is an investment bond and how does it differ? Yeah, look, investment bond, the, the beauty of those, they're effectively like a vehicle, I suppose, a vehicle to invest, right? Um, but they're tax effective. So you can invest in these structures and, and inside those structures have managed funds, like you have managed funds in superannuation and the like. So you invest in managed funds generally. Uh, and in that structure, um, an investment bond is is a, a favourable tax position. So what I mean by that is if 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 you're earning money and we we all earn wages generally, we're getting taxed at our marginal tax rate. When you have an investment and that investment earns income or grows in capital gains, et cetera, then that generally that income per year will go on your tax return every year as taxable income. So if you're already earning a wage and your tax tax marginal tax rate's up, and then you stick this income on top of that from the investment, you can get taxed a lot of that money year on year. Mm-hmm. The beauty of this, uh, these these particular structures, investment bonds, the the entity pays the tax. Okay, so it's not it's not getting stuck on you know your own personal tax returns every year, and also the tax rate is favourable. So they generally pay a lo- quite a low tax rate. It'll generally be maximum the corporate tax rate in Australia. But often it's a lot, lot lower than that. But the entity's paying it. You're, you're not paying it across the journey. And then if you invest in those structures over 10 years at the at the 10-year mark, you can actually take a, a tax-free income from them. So they, they can be very handy at that point. After 10 years, you can take a tax-free income. And we use that often to pay the school fees or pay for whatever. Or you can actually transfer the money or the that the account from the parent's name into the the child's name at that point yeah. in time or any point in time for that matter, you can do that. Uh, and so is theirs. Um, and, the, and you can do that and there's no capital gains tax. There's no transfer tax. There's no buy-sell tax. There's no nothing of that. You can just absolutely transfer it. So it can be very beneficial from that perspective. Yeah, no, it's it's an interesting one because particularly if you are at the highest tax rate here in Australia, like you could be seeing your earnings or income from investments taxed as high as say forty seven percent, including yep. the the Medicare levy. But when, like you said, uh, the investment bond has a maximum tax rate equivalent to the corporate tax rate, which is thirty percent. So it can be a little bit of a no brainer. I tend to find with you know people in the higher earning income brackets here in Australia, because if if you're going to invest in your own name, you're virtually going to lose half of every dollar of your earnings. Uh, to taxes, but you can put your money into something which is only taxed at a maximum rate of 30%. Uh, it's a pretty efficient vehicle. And, and that's why I think the other point that you mentioned around the, you know, the 10-year rule as well with a with an investment bond. And you've got to really look at your, your options of what you could be doing. Because if you're investing 
in your own name, it's always going to be taxed as per your marginal tax rate. And then you sell it subject to capital gains tax, which then also will be taxed at your marginal tax rate, whereas that investment bond's only going to be taxed at 30%. And then after that 10-year period of time, it can be sold uh, tax-free. But uh, even there's, I guess for people listening, there's two ways the investment bonds can work as well, is you could set it up in your own name. Uh, and I commonly do this with clients is I just set it up in my client's name, but it's for the purposes of their child because investment bonds, they're not like other investment structures. They're actually very flexible in terms of being able to transfer them to other people. You can actually transfer them to whoever you want and it doesn't incur any capital gains tax or anything of sorts upon doing it. So what I've typically done is actually set them up, uh, say child's one or two years old, whatever it may be. And uh, maybe we want to give it to them when they're 18 or whatever it may be, or we want to pull the money out for schooling, depending upon the the need, uh, but just doing, doing it in the parent's name and then um, selling the funds out after 10 years or transferring it to, to the kids. Or the other option is you can actually set it up in the kid's name as well. It's called a child builder bond is what they're typically called. And then it's the same structure, all the same principles apply, but then there'll be a, there's usually a date, like a vesting point of when that money then goes to the kids, which could be triggered at 18. And I think with most of the investment bond providers, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, I think it's 20 by latest 25 years old. I'm pretty sure the money or yeah. the, the bond would have to go through to the, to the yeah. child at any point in time. But they're, they're, they are very, very uh, incredibly flexible uh, to use. And you, you mentioned a couple of them before, Steve. So what, what are the common ones that you actually use the investment bond for? What were those ones that you mentioned? Was it education? Homes and yeah, and so education. On. Same for a house. You know, they're, yep. they're two of the big ones. Look, any big expense that's going to come within the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, uh, that can yep. be very, very handy for that. If it's going to come sooner than that, you may look at other options. So within the next five years, you, we might just use an investment account. Uh, yep. But then it's what's crucial. Then is if it's a, just a generic investment account, we're going to invest. It's getting it in the right tax structure. So who, uh, which mm -hmm. name are we going to put it under? To pay the yep. lowest tax. So if you know, you've got a husband and wife and the wife's not earning as much as the husband, you'd set up in the wife's name generally, right? So we, we pay less tax. Um, or you know, if we've got a family trust structure, we can often set them up in a family trust and um, work out each year where, where that uh, taxable income is going to go. So you know, you've got to really then open up the options if it's a bit sooner. Um, and then also what comes into that picture is um, level of risk. You know, yep. we, we've sort of got to work out, all right, so if it's within the next five years and we need X amount, what's the, how much risk can I take with this money? Because I need it to be paid out at five years. So I can't yes. probably take a, you know, put it all on the market. Yeah. Probably got to have a little bit of cash buffer just in case, you know, for your fallback position. But if you've got a seven, eight year, nine year period and above, you're more likely going to go all in on uh, mm. on the on the stock on the share market managed funds and growth assets because you can take that extra risk. So it's a balancing act between all those factors. Um, but again, we 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 divulge all of this out of the client uh, the right time. But uh, yeah, also Josh, you know, you know, we've got we've got a lot of families we look after uh, at Link, and a lot of families have kids. What yep. you, what's your take on when we step in to try to educate the kids and get them involved in some of the decisions that are made, you know, with the parents? Have you got any views on that? Yeah, I guess some of what I normally speak to with with a lot of clients I'm bringing on board at the moment is first of all we kind of need to f fix them in a, in a way and get them mm. you know educated to a point because it's usually like they're the, they're the starting point. And if they don't understand everything 
and I can't really, you know, I don't want them really kind of getting the kids involved at this point in time. So I, I would say it's probably, I want to be working with the clients for at least a couple of years. So they understand everything, you know, end to end, and then they can be starting to have those conversations with their kids. Like I've got a lot of clients I'm bringing on board at the moment that are coming through to me with, with very young kids, like, you know, newborns, one or one or two years old. And I, I don't think you could probably throw a share market book to a to a two-year-old or anything at this point in time. So it's more about getting the foundation set with mum and dad. Uh, so, you know, they're making all the right things. They're making all of the right decisions. And they're then well-equipped to then start imparting that knowledge onto the, you know, onto the kids in those later years. And, and the scenario that you actually just said before, I've, I've actually just done that for a client around you know, you talked about timeframes for investing and we, we speak about it so much on, on the podcast around, you know, what's right for you was going to be totally different for me versus the next person. And it, it comes down to your goals, your circumstances, what you're trying to actually achieve in, in life. But it's not as simple as just going, I need to invest for my kids and investment bonds are a great option because I, I've done exactly what you said before, Steve, of uh, there was a, two kids. One of them, we were going to be investing for 10 years plus because it, it was a newborn. And then the other one uh, was a little bit younger. So we only had about a, uh, sorry, older. So we only had a, about a five or a four year sort of time frame to invest. So what we ended up doing is actually just having a savings account for the older child to stick some money in because we're doing it for kids schooling. We didn't want to take on any risk with that money whatsoever. Whereas the younger one who was just born, we're sticking that in an investment bond in a high growth type portfolio because we're investing for, for 10 years plus. I think it's just such a key thing to understand that there is no one size fits all to any part of, of what we do. And, and you need to really think clearly, like carefully about it and not just um, jump in, which is a part of what we do with our clients is like, if we're thinking 10 years here, like, what are you earning now? What could you be earning into the future? Like, if you're going to have more kids along the way is, you know, one part of the the, the partnership not going to be working for a period of time is mum or dad going to be off more so looking after kids. And then, like you said, maybe then that means maybe we just invest in a, a regular investment account because if mum or dad's not working, then maybe not, they're not paying any tax whatsoever because they're not generating any income. And therefore, it could actually be a better option to actually just invest in that person's name uh, from a tax point of view, because they're basically not going to be paying any sort of tax whatsoever. So it's definitely not a, a it's just not simple and clear cut. And I think that's where it's crucial, where you've got to really just sit down and figure out what you're trying to get out of your life and what you guys are trying to do or what people, what you're trying to get out of your life and do for the next 10 or so years so you can, you know, make those best decisions. Yeah, that's right. Look, yeah, and the tax, you don't start paying tax in Australia to earn about 20 grand. So Correct. Yeah, that's a that's a lot of if you're not working that's a lot of investment income you've got to earn before a cent of tax gets paid and there's a pretty low tax rate to start with after that point so yeah, yeah. it's a balancing act and it's actually a um yeah it's a balancing act year on year because as people work not work change it up you know you, you've got to be mindful of that and then you've got you know if you've set up in one account you don't want to set up in someone's name and then they start work and liquidate have to liquidate the investment and get all these buy sell costs involved yep. too so as an advisor you really got to sort of foresee have those conversations with the client about this is what we want this is our goal okay this is our tax structure but also what's happening in the future like where like yeah. what are you doing in two three four years what are your thoughts because you sort of got to make decisions on these type of setups with all of that factored in right so it's it's, it's yeah. quite a challenging environment no it's, it's not easy and then taking into account even talking about savings accounts uh you know interest rates have gone from virtually yeah. nothing to and then now you're getting over five percent on your on your savings yeah. account. So it's 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 definitely uh, you know it's it's a challenging time to to definitely navigate. But I think that's where you just got to take the view that 
things will change over time and then you have to adjust accordingly. And that's why a lot of clients that we actually work with, like we generally do catch up with them six months or at least every 12 months to, to make sure everything is realigned and everything's kind of set up in the way that it needs to or if circumstances have changed, well, then maybe we need to pivot uh, and make a bit of an adjustment. So what's the key takeaways, mate? Well, I think the key takeaway is really just got to get get started. Well, first of all, fix yourself fix yourself first. I always say to my for my clients, but as as great as it is, we want to plan for the kids. We want to set them up for the best future. We want to help them buy their own home. You have to be selfish first and help yourself out first. Because if you can't help yourself and get your your own situation right, you're you're not going to be able to help them first. So you know, step one is you know get your finances sorted and aligned and optimized so you understand what's going on first because then you're going to be the one that's speaking to your kids the most and you need to be able to impart that knowledge and and education uh, actually onto them so i'd say definitely sort your own situation out first think about those goals um so if you've got you know a child that you want to send into private schooling in 10 or 12 years or whatever it may be definitely want to be looking at those investment structures you know what are you earning what's your partner earning uh, are they at a higher tax rate than 30%? Maybe an investment bond could be a, a good alternative. If you're both in the highest tax brackets, maybe there's some other structures that are involved, family trusts, uh, et cetera. But it's, it's like everything. You just need to get it, you know, figure out what you're trying to get out of life, what you're, what you're wanting to achieve, and then, um, you know, start actually taking some action to, to get there. And then, and then, of course, if you feel like you can't, then do that yourself. And that's where you, you seek out some advice from, say, a financial advisor or, or someone that you trust that's done what you're trying to do and actually get that input on, on your situation. But, um, yeah, what would you add there, Steve? Yeah, and I just say the, the, clearly the earlier you start there, the better. You know, if you can get an investment account set up, you know, in, in anyone's name for that matter, like forget the tax issue, just get them set up early. Uh, of course, you know, we want to get it tax right, but if we just start investing as early as possible, especially if there's big ticket items like deposits for houses and kids' education, the earlier we get going, the better. You know, I wish I started when I was six, seven, eight, I tell you, totally. fantastic. So, you know, get get your kids started early, invest for them early, um, you know, even if, you know, just start small, just just get it moving early, you know, it'll just pay off in spades in 10, 15, 20 years' time. Yeah, I think that's some good final points to finish on. It doesn't need to be much. Like you don't need to be investing $5,000 a month. Like there's a lot of micro investing apps to even start on these days where you could be investing $5 a week. So, yeah. you know, even a couple of dollars here and there and it all it all starts and then it obviously goes into the one of the most powerful things in the world being compound interest. But to get the benefits of compound interest, you of course need need that time on your hands as well. So I think there's some great points to add in at the end. But uh, guys, uh, that's all we've got time for today. So thank you uh, if you are tuning in and listening. If you're on Spotify, please do give us a, a five-star rating. And then of course, as I always say, if you wanted to actually chat about your personal financial situation, you can go into the show notes and book in a 15-minute chat with either Steve or myself. And please do give us a follow on all of the other socials, TikTok, LinkedIn, and Instagram. But um, besides that, Steve, anything else that we've missed before we finish up? No, I think we're all good there, mate. Uh, thanks for your time. Done. See you on the next one.